here this morning. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Please fill out one of the Connect cards. You can put that uh, not in the offering plate because that's already been taken, but you can hand that to me later on. We'd love to get to know you better. Uh, again, my name is Charles Gwynn. I'm the new associate minister here, and we're just excited to continue to see what God is doing through the body. Yesterday, we had about 50 or 60 people came out, uh, including all the kids that went out and, and uh, to the streets. It was a little bit nerve-wracking uh, early on, but we got going in the flow of handing out and putting on door hangers and got a chance to talk with different people, and that, that was exciting. Thank you for all those who were able to come out and do that. And then a lot of people stuck around and helped out with putting all the decorations up for this week's Vacation Bible School. And many of you are scheduled to plan to be here in the evenings uh, from 5.30 to 6, 8.30. Uh, and that's going to be a, a wonderful time of just being a part of the family of God and reaching out into our community to our young kids. And so thank you for all those that took the time to put up all the decorations, a lot of hours that went into doing all of that. And so there's a lot of things going on when it comes to the body of Christ. And we want to continue to be the church. And that's why uh, Larry has us going through a series called Be the Church. And so as we look at this idea of Be the Church from the book of Ephesians, we today are looking at some of the verses that we just uh, watched a little video on. Some of those verses, we're going to back up just a few uh, verses as well into Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And as we look at these verses, we're going to be challenging you today to be the church that exposes darkness. Be the church that exposes darkness. And, and I just am not one that likes darkness. Uh, I, I, li I like light. I like to be able to go into a room and flip on the switch and have there be plenty of light. If there's a light bulb out, boom, I know it. You know, and some people, they just, they, they don't really recognize that, that. If there's a little bit of light, good, that's, that's enough. I like lots of light. In fact, there's, I've owned two houses, and in both houses, neither of the front rooms, neither of the living rooms had any sort of lighting. And you'd have to set up lamps and this and that. And that's, that's not my thing. I like to have light. And so I went up into the rafters in the attic of both of those houses. And I put in recessed lighting in so that I can come in the living room and flip on a switch and have light to be able to see. I don't like to stumble around in the darkness anytime that I try to, uh, especially lately I've lived in a room that's not my own, and so there's extra stuff in that room that is my own, but it's not nicely put places because I, I'm living in someone else's house, and uh, in, in that house there's, there's this room that I put up uh, black uh, garbage sack so the room is dark it is a dark room and so some there's been a few nights where you know you wake up and you're slightly disoriented and you kind of look and boom you hit something and you're like oh man that does not feel good you but if I had the light on I would have seen that I enjoy light a couple weeks ago we read in Ephesians 5 7 through 18 where it talks about this idea of that we are not to be like the world in the darkness of their thinking we are not to be like them because their thinking is in darkness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, in the uh, English Standard Version, it says, For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. And in my opinion, there's not too many good things that take place late into the evening, into the darkness. A lot of the, the things that happen bad, the bad things that take place in our world oftentimes take place when it's dark, and we need to be a church that exposes 
darkness. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit be challenging us. May your word convict us. May we be encouraged, and may we live out what your word teaches us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This morning, if you're taking notes, the first thing that I would encourage you to write down is, we will expose the darkness by imitating our Heavenly Father. You say, well, how do we imitate our Heavenly Father? It gives us a little bit of an example. Paul writes to the church there in Ephesus, and he says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. You say, well, how do I live a life of love? Well, Jesus gave us a great example of that. His love was unconditional. His love was consistent. His love was poured out to everyone, and it was a love of a sacrificial kind of love. It was a love that was willing to go to the cross, and that's why in the rest of those verses it says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to imitate that same love. Someone once said, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And many of you parents probably have a a little clue on this. You've seen some of that in your own children. And and maybe some of you have experienced in in situations where a child has imitated you in in a way like this. Maybe you gentlemen are woodworkers, or maybe some of you ladies were out refurbishing a dresser or a, a nice coffee table and you've been putting a lot of hours and work in and staining and sanding and, and putting it back together and, and you know that as you get closer to the end you have to be really careful putting in those finish nails because you, you don't want to put a, a ding in there or you don't want to have anything that would cause a, a gaudy type of dent in it and, and just kind of ruin it all and as you're out there working meticulously you know you have concentration taking place and, and then all of a sudden you hear bang, 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 pounding going on next to you. And, and all of a sudden, you just come out of your concentration. You look over, and, and there's your son with the same ex- expression of deep concentration on his face. And maybe his tongue is even out of the side of his mouth, and, and he's, he has this hammer in his hand. <laughs> and he has this hammer, and he's beating the tar out of this dresser that you've been working so diligently on. And he says, Look, Daddy, I'm just like you. And dents are all over your masterpiece, and you're furious in one sense, and yet you're, you're flattered in another sense because he, he wanted to be just like you. Imitation is oftentimes the highest form of flattery. As you think about your own children, or maybe just some younger child that you've had experiences with that they like to try to imitate you. I think about uh, Brady six years ago when he was two years old. I was leading a, a closing song for a promotion Sunday uh, time, and, and I like things to just go smoothly the way I think they're supposed to, and I don't like any interruptions or just randomness taking place. But all of a sudden, I'm playing and singing a song. I have a video of this, but I couldn't get it downloaded. But here Brady is, two years old, jumps up on stage from the front row, and he starts going, going, you know, and, you know, this time is about God, you know, 
This is about God, not about this two-year-old going, nier, nier, you know, and he's dancing it up. And, you know, at the time, I was a little frustrated just because, like I said, I, I want things to kind of go in a way that they, I think they should go. And, and here's a distraction, and yet he wanted to be like his dad. And oftentimes, Bodie, growing up as well, we'd at, he'd go around the house, air guitar, and like, well, what are you doing, Bodie? I'm being, I'm being like you. And, and you're, in your own life, you've had maybe some of those experiences where your children are wanting to imitate you. And this morning, we, as the children of God, need to be imitating him and his behavior. And the main way that we need to imitate God is by loving others. Because the fact is, as dearly loved children, it says that, therefore, as dearly loved children, not because you do imitation, not because you are already exactly the way God has called you to be, not because you have it all put together, but it says, as dearly loved children, then work at being imitators of God in the way that he loves, which is unconditional, agape love, with no strings attached. We are to love the way that Jesus loves us. His life was all about serving and sacrifice. It reminds me of a, a story that I heard that many years ago, there was a worker that worked as a volunteer at a hospital. And they said, I got to know a little ch girl named Liz who was suffering from a rare and serious disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother who had miraculously survived the same disease and had developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. The doctor explained the situation to her little brother and asked the little boy if he would be willing to give his blood to his sister. I saw him hesitate for only a moment before taking a deep breath and saying, yes, yes, I, I, will, I will do it if it will save her. As the transfusion progressed, he lay in bed next to his sister and smiled as we all did, seeing the color returning to her cheeks. Then his face grew pale and his smile faded. And he looked up at the doctor and he asked with a trembling voice, Will I start to die right away? Being young, the little boy had misunderstood the doctor. He thought he was going to have to give his sister all of his blood in order to save her. He loved the same way that Jesus loves us. In the same way that we are to love others unconditionally, with no strings attached, sacrificially, in order that the world might see Jesus in us. If we want to be like God in every way, we have to love God like, like God loves. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. If we are going to imitate God, then we have to imitate his love, because God is love. And this morning, you need to realize that God loves you no matter what you've done. 
as dearly loved children, he was willing to send his one and only son. God loves each and every you right where you are at. And he doesn't want us to stay there in our sin, but he loves you where you're at and he calls you out of that. God wants us to imitate that same kind of love towards others. And so the first thing is if we're going to expose the darkness, we need to imitate God. And the second point is, is if we're going to expose the darkness, it's going to be through pure and holy lives. We will expose the darkness through pure and holy lives. What's going on, Brindley? What, what you doing there? Okay, well, yeah, that's that's a good idea. So you're gonna just make up a mix up a little nice little treat for us for later. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, while you do that, I'm gonna go and read a few more verses here. But it says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, and as I, I'm, I'm kind of distracted by you a little bit, Brindley, but so I'm thinking I, one ingredient that I have never had but I think would be really good in a, a mix like that would be like cow manure. Cow manure, yeah. You think, good idea? No, well, no. no, I mean, look at this. I have some right here. <laughs> I got some cow manure, and this is not just like your ordinary cow manure. This came from the wing ranch, Okay. <laughs> So this is like show cow manure, you know? So I'm thinking this stuff go in the mix. Everybody will love it. They won't even know. They won't even know that it's even in there, really. I mean, just I'm going to just, we'll just put a little bit in that. No, no, not even a little. Not even a, not even a little bit, not even just like a hint, like a hint of cow manure. It would probably like change the texture just enough to give it a good like mm, crunch. Yeah, a crunch. Yeah. It's like those cooking shows where you're like, oh, yeah, it's got texture. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to put in just a little bit of this. Don't. No, you don't, you don't think that they're going to want to eat a, a dessert that has a little bit of cow manure. No. Not just even just a hint of it? No. Oh, okay. Well, I, I tried. Well, can you maybe finish that rest of that in the kitchen for us? Away from my scary ingredients. Away from my scary ingredients. Yes, that would be great. All right. Give Brinley a round of applause, please. I think all too often, as Christians, we want to live a life that just has a hint of cow manure in our dessert. We, we want to live a life that says, well, it's not that bad. You know, I'm watching a show. It's got a little bit of skin. Well, what's the big deal? Or it only has, you know, a few swear words. Or what about if I'm out with my friends and, you know, they're, they're involved in something that I know isn't right, but it's only, you know, it's only a little bit. It's only for a short time. What's the big deal? Or maybe it's your thought life, you know, what's the, nobody else knows what I'm thinking. Or, or maybe it, it's your attitude in your home, like, well, nobody else besides my family knows what goes on here, or my attitude, or how I treat them, what's the big deal, and yet God is saying, no, that's not how it's supposed to be, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's 
holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. If we are truly trying to imitate our dad, our father, and expose the darkness, there can't even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, nor there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. And because we are God's holy people. And this is something that you've heard from this pulpit before. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, Peter writes, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain, to not do it at all. To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, catch this, that though they accuse you of doing wrong... They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, we're called to a higher standard of life. And so it's every day waking up saying, I'm going to live for God today. In fact, uh, when we went to Elitch's, uh, we I just try to hold everybody to a higher standard, whether it be our, our talk, our conversation, our dress code. We want to be, you know, appropriate and, and we want to be modest and so I just encouraged any of the ladies if, if the, normally they're they have uh, the only suit they might have might be a two-piece something like that I just encourage them to wear a shirt over it so that we could have a higher standard as we represent the church as we represent God out in public and again it, it's not just our dress code but it's it's our actions it's our attitudes we are to abstain from sinful desires to get rid of the things that are listed here when it comes to our our, court, our conversation, we shouldn't have any foolish talk or obscenity or, or coarse joking because those are out of place, it says, for God's holy people. And as we discussed a couple weeks ago, it's not about just getting rid of the junk in our lives, but it's replacing it with the good stuff. And here it even gives another example of that where it says, as you go through, down through this in verse 4 and get rid of this stuff, not even having a hint of it in your lives, at the very end it says, but rather you should have thanksgiving. You should have thanksgiving in your life to God for all the amazing things that he does. And it, it changes your focus from you and what you want and what you're used to, and it moves it over to what God is doing, what he has done, and what he wants from our lives. There should not even be a hint of this junk taking place in our lives. If we're going to expose the darkness, we have to live lives of purity and holiness. And we can't get ourselves tied in with people that say, oh, it's okay. What's the big deal? It's, it's just a little bit. It's just one time. It's no, it, it's no problem. In fact, it says here that we're not even supposed to be associated, become partners with these people. As you go down through verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. There, verse 7, Therefore do not be partners with them. We can't be buddy-buddy 
with the people of the world that are trying to continually pull us down and pull us into the sin that is so prevalent in the world around us. We need to live pure and holy lives that we begin to expose the darkness all around us. And as 1 Peter 2 says, the pagans will see the good deeds in our lives and they will glorify God on the day he visits us. If we are going to truly be the church that exposes darkness, then we also need to be the church that God has called us to be, and that's to be children of light. The third thing, we will expose the darkness by living as children of light. Verse 8 through 14 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as light. Excuse me, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is, it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We are no longer darkness. Did you catch that? It says, you were once darkness. We were once darkness, but no longer are we darkness. Now we are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And then as we begin to live as children of light, it shows up in our lifestyle. In the goodness, it says, it consists of, of goodness. And it consists of righteousness. And it consists of truth. All of those things coming out in our lives. And I, I think about the fruit of the Spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All those things that are, are should be growing inside of us as children of light in order that we might be pleasing to God. You see, that's important because a lot of times as we try to live out our faith and be children of light, we get discouraged because the world all around us is in complete darkness and they don't want anything to do with the light because they're comfortable in their darkness. And so it's going to be difficult to live as children of light. But the reality is, is that we're not living lives to be pleasing to the world. We're not living lives to be pleasing even to our spouse. We, we're not living lives to, to try to gain you know, the, the approval of our children. We're not even living lives for ourselves. We're living lives for Jesus Christ. We're living lives for the God that created us. And that's why he says here, as you live as children of light, and all these things begin to take place in you, verse 10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. Your lifestyle should be one that pleases the Lord, and by it pleasing the Lord, it's going to have an impact on all of your other relationships in a good way. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And it's amazing to me, uh, how far cell phones have come and all the different amazing things they can do. But one of the, the coolest abilities, the one that I use probably probably the most, I don't know, on a day-to-day -day basis is the flashlight. The flashlight. 
you know, as we go through this world, there's so many times where it's just not enough light. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, getting older, but I just can't quite see things. And, and it says if, if we expose the darkness and, it, and we shine our light, then we don't have to be a part of the fruitless deeds of darkness, the junk that goes on in the world around us. And I think about, again, in a dark room, instead of trying to make it through on my own and then, and then tripping over something and hurting myself, if I'm willing to turn on a light, I can avoid those obstacles. I don't have to be a part of the fruitless deeds of darkness. Because everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. And I think about our individual lives and the impact that we have on the people around us, our coworkers, the, the people that we see in a store or, or whoever we might come in contact with, family members, loved ones, relatives. As I was working at the University of Nebraska Research and Extension Center throughout Bible College, we got to do a lot of different things, and, and so we'd be out in the field doing beet harvest stuff or in the lab counting bugs on leaves. Not the best job, but it was, it, it was consistent. And, and as I interacted with all these individuals, some were Christians, but some were not, and, and you could kind of tell by their attitudes and their, their language, and there'd be individuals that they'd be swearing around me right and left, and then as they got to know me, and they got to, to see God's light shining through me, and they heard where I was going to Bible college, they, they stopped, and if there was a new person that came in, like, you can't swear like that, this, this is preacher boy here, you know, and, and I kind of at the time was like, is that a compliment? Is that not a compliment? But for me, it was one of those things where I didn't have to, every time they swore, I didn't have to be like, could you please not use that language around me? It was my life shining into their lives, which then caused them to feel like they needed to change. And the reality is, as Christians, if our lights will shine into the darkness of the lives around us, the only outcome is, them realizing that they're missing out, that they need to change. Light has the ability to cause that which was once darkness to now be light. Exposing the darkness with the light of Christ may lead to salvation. It, it did for countless unbelievers in Ephesus, and it may be has done that in your life, and I know it has done that in my life, and so as we think about who we are to be as Christians in this dark world, I want to close by reading a story that during the World War II, excuse me, that during the Second World War, German paratroopers invaded the island of Crete. And when they landed at Malim, the islanders met them, bearing nothing other than kitchen knives and, and hayseths. The consequences of resistance it was devastating. The residents of entire villages were lined up and shot. And overlooking the airstrip today is an institute for peace and understanding founded by a Greek man named Alexander Papaderos. Papaderos was just six years old when the war started. His home village was destroyed and he was imprisoned in a concentration camp. And when the war ended, he became convinced his people needed to let go of the hatred the war had unleashed. 
And to help the process, he founded his institute at this place that embodied the horrors and hatreds unleashed by the war. One day, while taking questions at the end of a lecture, Papadaris was asked, what's the meaning of life? And there was a little bit of nervous laughter in the room because it was such a weighty type of question, but Papadaris answered it. And he opened his wallet, and he took out a small mirror. And he held up this round mirror for everyone to see. He said during the war, he was just a small boy when he came across a motorcycle wreck. And the motorcycle had belonged to a German soldier. And Alexander saw many pieces of a broken mirror that he tried to piece back together. And and he wasn't able to. And so he just took the largest piece of the mirror and he began to scratch it and round it off and make it smooth against a stone. And he, and he used this as a toy to, to shine into dark crevices. And he was fascinated by the way he could use it for the light to shine and, and, and things to be illuminated into holes. And he kept that mirror with him as he grew up. And over time, it, it came to symbolize something very important. It became a metaphor for what he might do with his life. He says, I am a fragment of a mirror whose whole design and shape I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the dark places in the hearts of men, and change some things in some people, perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I am about. This is the meaning of my life, Papa Darius said. And this morning, if we're going to be a church that exposes darkness, then we're going to have to imitate our Heavenly Father in the way that He loves the world around us, not playing favorites, not choosing to love one over another. We have to live lives of purity and holiness not even having a hint of manure in our lives. And we have to live as children of light, shining, reflecting God into the dark places of this world. And as you look more and more like our dad by taking on his traits of love and light, your life is going to have an impact on others. It will have an impact on others. And to show you what kind of impact your life will have on others, Paul then quotes from an ancient hymn, and this is how he ends the passage in in verse 5, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And to show you the impact, he challenges us to live in a way that it's going to cause others to want to wake up. This hymn is what our lives should be to the unbeliever. We should realize that we have so much going for us, that we have woken up, that we no longer live, that we're no longer dead, but we are alive, that we are no longer blind, but now we can see that we don't have to go around in darkness anymore, but we are light, and that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we have freedom in our lives. As the praise team comes again this morning, I want to challenge you that if you're living in darkness still, Stop. 
If you haven't surrendered your life over to Jesus yet, if you are a sleeper that is dead this morning in your sin, then Jesus is calling you out of that today. We're going to sing in just a moment a song of invitation. And if you know you need to get right with God this morning, we're going to invite you to come. You need to rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And maybe this morning, you're trying to live that life, and, and, and yet, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, we keep falling back into that same old life. I want to challenge you again to live a new life. Think about the things that need to change. Where are you compromising when it comes to just having a hint of the sin in your life? If we're going to imitate our God, we need to imitate him in a way that exposes the darkness. We need to live lives of holiness and purity and be the children of light that he's called us to be. Will you stand with us as we sing?